Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Thursday, March 15th, and we're midway through South by Southwest week. I'm your tech host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm at South by Southwest with some of our other fools, attending sessions and grabbing interviews for the podcasts. We're going to air one of those conversations today. I had the good fortune of sitting down with Wilco Stark. He's the VP of strategy and product at Daimler, the VP of strategy and planning at Mercedes-Benz, and the head of the company's case initiative. We chatted about the company's timeline for autonomous driving, the different forms the autonomous future might take, and when cities might start seeing the case plan in action. Before we got into all that, though, I asked him to break down exactly what case is. Yeah, first of all, we, we set up a case initiative uh, one and a half years ago for one simple reason, because uh, from our perspective at Mercedes-Benz, there are four major trends uh, which are changing the automotive industry completely. And this is connectivity, uh, autonomous driving, shared mobility services, and electromobility. And uh, I think or we strongly believe that it's not only these four trends which you have to push forward, but it's also the combination of these trends. So, so, it's, so it's very much a holistic view of all of these. It's a very holistic view on that, and we push all these four dimensions, uh, but we also push the combination. So imagine self-driving cars embedded in mobility services. Uh, and in this scenario, and this scenario is coming actually in, in a few years, it will be reality. So we are not talking about the far future. It's, it's coming very, very soon. Uh, and this is what we want to bring to the market. And therefore, we have this holistic approach uh, to cover all these, uh, all these trends. Thinking specifically about autonomy and sharing, the A and the S in, yeah. in case there, those seem like two things that maybe have the biggest impact on the future of car manufacturers like yourself and the relationship that people have with cars. How are you guys preparing for that? From our perspective, first of all, we, we have to push autonomous driving and uh, we have two development paths. One development path is to uh, to improve the driver assistance systems we already have in our cars in serious production. Uh, and, the second, uh, and the second development path is really to go to level four or five complete autonomous driving. And uh, we will come up with, a, with an autonomous self-driving car uh, beginning next decade. And this will be embedded in, in our mobility services. And therefore, we built up MyTaxi. MyTaxi is the, the leading ride-hailing service in, in Europe compared to Lyft and uh, to, to Uber here, here in the US. Uh, so it's a perfect combination. And that's our view. We have to combine all these dimensions. You mentioned kind of a firm timeline there for autonomous driving, which is refreshing, honestly, because so many people that you talk to, they'll say, oh, it's by 2030, most cars will be fully autonomous. Uh, I think what's lost in a lot of those conversations is there's different levels to autonomy, right? How do you guys kind of manage expectations, understanding that there's level two, level three, level four, level five autonomy? Uh, from our perspective, we have to distinguish, and therefore we are always talking about two development paths. So the one development path is really improving the driver assistance systems we already have in our cars and go up to level three. Level four, five, or, or complete autonomous driving is a completely different story. So uh, regarding computing power, it's actually factor thousand. Uh, regarding the sensor kit you need, also from the, from the cost side, is really factor it's actually a factor 10 to 100. Uh, so you cannot compare this two completely different development paths. So what we did, uh, we, we set up, uh, we will come uh, and going to launch a an, an self-driving car, with self-driving car, of course, 
uh, will be 100% electric and it will be embedded in the first step in our mobility services. So you, you mentioned Europe before and I mean you guys are this very large international brand. I think a lot of the conversation, particularly in the US, has been on US specific companies, right? Uh, how are the challenges different in Europe and in the United States with developing this type of tech? I think the key challenge is uh, for us as a global car manufacturer that you have complete different traffic situations uh, around the world. And uh, I think it's most it's actually more the easy part here in the US. Uh, if you go, for example, to dense cities in Europe or even uh, even worse in, in China, you know, the traffic situations are much, much more complicated. And therefore, you know, we send our our cars around the world really to, to test these different uh, traffic situations for self-driving cars. And this is how we call it really deep learning and there are complete different traffic situations around the globe. And at the end, as a global manufacturer, uh, we have to cover all dimensions. And I imagine some of the learnings that you'll have in a market like China will still be relevant to whatever is going on in Germany or in France. Absolutely. So if you can handle, of course, very complex, difficult traffic situations, you know, with also a lot of scooters or people uh, on the street, uh, then you can handle also most uh, more easy uh, traffic situations. Yeah, It's kind and of a cumulative knowledge, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you have to prepare for the different regions. And uh, of course, you know, in a, in a first step, we are going to, to launch our activities in, in Europe and, and the US. And, and, and therefore, we we invested on and built up my taxi as one example uh, actually years ago. And we also have, and this is also a big advantage we have at Mercedes-Benz, is that we started with car sharing activities with Car2Go, which is also here in Austin, uh, actually years ago. So we have a lot of experience in, in car sharing and, and, and mobility services. So much of the regulatory progress that we've seen in the United States has come in California. Uh, they've kind of had their hand forced there. <clears throat> um, are there lessons from what we've seen in California that maybe we can apply to other states to kind of help as a blueprint for moving this technology along? Because one of the big problems is the regulatory side, right? Uh, absolutely. One of the key challenges is the regulatory side, not only in the US, but also in Europe and, and, uh, and in China. And this has to be clarified, you know, by, by the governments. Uh, but, you know, everybody, everybody's interested in self-driving cars and autonomous driving. So I think this will be, from my perspective, this will be fixed, you know, because we have so many cities around the globe which are knocking on our door and say, we would like to have mobility services, self-driving cars. And these cars, of course, have to be 100%, 100% percent electric regarding california of course california is a front runner and california is based you know also on weather conditions you know a perfect state uh, for for autonomous driving because in the first step for the sensors it's much much yeah it's more easy uh, if you have uh, if you have pretty good weather conditions as you have in, in southern california uh, compared for example in, in massachusetts or somewhere else yeah, and, and you notice that all of the big tech companies in the United States are doing their development there. I don't think that's any coincidence. Um, you look at all the companies in the self-driving space right now, and yeah. in the mobility space. You know, you have your traditional car manufacturers, you have the Lyft, Uber, Waymos of the world. Uh, you're all starting from very different points. So what are some of the strengths that you guys think you have as a traditional auto manufacturer? And maybe what are some strengths that you see with the competition that, that will be something that you guys are going to have to make up for? 
I think the the big advantage we have as a as a car manufacturer uh, who has experience also in mobility services is that we cover the whole value chain. So imagine a self-driving car embedded in mobility services like my taxi, Uber, or Lyft. What do you need? You need first of all you need an app. We have an app with my taxi. Uh, secondly, you need uh, a fleet management system. This is what we have with Daimler Fleet Management System. You need an asset provider, you, and uh, somebody has to finance all the cars. This is what we have with Daimler Financial Services. And then, of course, we have the car uh, in the next years, and we have the, uh, the the system for autonomous driving. And that's a big advantage, because in the future, we are going to produce our self-driving cars in the production line. So we do not have to retrofit the car afterwards. It's actually produced in line with all the other cars. And that's a big advantage. And the second big advantage is that we cover the whole, the whole value chain, what you need uh, to, to actually employ self-driving cars and mobility services. And is there anything you see looking out at the competitors where you're like, ah, it, it would be nice to have that? You know, like it would be great to have the, the charging network that Tesla has or something like that where you're like, that's something we're going to have to work towards. Yeah, of course. You know, we are, we are competitors. And one example is Waymo, who is definitely pretty much advanced in, in uh, autonomous driving. Uh, but, you know, we have a big benefit that, uh, once again, we, we cover the whole value chain you need. Uh, secondly, uh, we also have a lot of experience in, in autonomous driving. And if it comes to, to the Tesla network, this is not so for autonomous driving, for, but for electric vehicles. We are now doing, doing the same in Europe. So we're building up uh, a fast charging network, which actually goes up to 250 kilowatts. Uh, and uh, 350 kilowatts with an 800 voltage system across Europe. So we build up over 400 uh, charging stations uh, on the highways in Europe. And this means that you can recharge your, your vehicle uh, within 30 minutes. Um, that's a big adva advantage for the electric vehicles in Europe. So you, you, in the future, you can really uh, travel with an electric vehicle uh, from northern Germany down to, to the south of Italy. Um, from a corporate culture perspective, you know, you are kind of at the forefront of what is going on in the space and you're working on the fun, futuristic stuff. Um, you also have the kind of legacy manufacturing and kind of standard car model that has existed for decades. How are you guys managing, we need to continue working on this stuff that's been great. We also need to work towards this other stuff and not feel like anyone's being left behind. This is actually one of the biggest challenges. And <clears throat> therefore we, we, we said, you know, on the one hand side, we have our core business and the core business is very, very important uh, because we earn today all the money in the core business to invest in our future. And the future is case, connectivity, autonomous driving, shared mobility and electromobility. So we need both. And uh, we have to, to save the people in these different divisions. We, we need you all. And uh, each part is very, very important. And at the end, of course, we have to transform the whole core business into the case business. Yeah, because it won't be so far off that almost everything is electric, I would assume, right? 
that is that is the vision at some this point is, in the future. This is actually the vision, but uh, you know, if you look at the legislation in in China, in Europe, and uh, in the US, you know, we you, we have to say. Uh, but especially in China, electromobility is coming very, very soon. So the Chinese government is pushing electromobility like hell. Uh, and we, we will see a, a share of sales of, of 25-30% uh, in some cities, maybe even 40% of electric vehicles already in 2025. So that's not far from now. And with you guys in the marketplace as a luxury manufacturer, you know, particularly with the Mercedes line, um, how do you think this move towards shared mobility impacts that brand? Because you know, the, the, I think one of the big selling points with a performance vehicle is they're fun to drive, you know, and they're great to sit in, and they feel amazing. That car feels incredible. Um, how are you building that line of thinking and that kind of branding into a more shared, uh, autonomous future? From our perspective, you know, also in, in mobility services, there's a premium market uh, because uh, even driving a Mercedes self-driving car in a mobility service, you know, is more affordable because you pay per kilometer and you do not have to pay, you know, the whole car. And, and therefore, we strongly believe that there will be a market. Like you have already today, if you go into, into the Uber app, for example, you know, we have Uber Black, you have Uber Pool, you have Uber X, etc. So there are different markets, different segments for mobility services. And, uh, and we strongly believe that there's a, a premium market for self-driving cars in mobility services. This is one approach. The second approach is what we are doing in our van division is also to have a pooling concept. So we also will come up with something comparable to Uber Pool based on a based on a Mercedes self-driving car, and uh, we developed together as one example uh, Via uh, in New York. Uh, so this is based. Uh, we are running uh, 1,000 V classes in, in 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 New York, and we are now have a prototype running uh, with a pooling concept uh, also in Stuttgart. Yeah, there are a lot of different visions of what mobility might look like in the future, particularly for folks that live in cities. Right, the the options of not owning a car or and only relying on sharing services or owning a car and maybe having your car out, giving other people rides while you're not using it. The, the people have kind of run wild with what the future might look like. How do you prepare for all of that? I think absolutely key is, especially if it, it comes not only to mobility services, but also to the propulsion systems, uh, is flexibility. Uh, because we will have different markets in the future, different requirements, and uh, also completely different customer profiles. And therefore, we have to fle be flexible at Mercedes-Benz and have to offer the different market segments what they want. And I strongly believe that there will be a big market for mobility services, for self-driving cars. But of course, there will also be a big market, you know, for, for, for usual cars, because people love to drive, it's fun to drive, especially if you drive a Mercedes AMG. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you have to distinguish. And that's already, you know, taking place today. If you go to San Francisco, for example, where a lot of customers who commute with, with Uber or Lyft uh, on a daily basis to wear work, uh, but they will still have an own their, their car for the weekends, etc. And it's a, a car is always and will always be an emotional product. And people want also to possess emotional products, you know, uh, like to like like clocks or whatever. Uh, so therefore, this is this we will cover all these segments on all these markets. 
Yeah, there's this element of the car that, at least in the United States, for me, it's it's a rite of passage. You know, getting your driver's license, it's kind of your symbol of freedom, right? Exactly. And so I wonder, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if, if teenagers are going to feel the same way about it. Um, it. It sounds like you are preparing for kind of whatever might come, though. Exactly. And there will be, of course, be a shift uh, towards mobility services. And therefore, we are entering this markets and we said uh, we don't want to to be at the end uh, of a food chain and just become uh, a, a, a simple car manufacturer and therefore we want we do not want to lose the direct contact to the customer and therefore we are going to offer mobility services by our own to have a direct interface to the customer well and that involvement and that kind of full integration gives you guys a lot of options as a business right you know if, if the market shifts from people selling cars to some sort of service hybrid maybe yeah and you guys are involved in the entire effort there exactly and they're still customers exactly and this is our approach we want at the end we want to own uh the the customer interface be it you know but he is wants to buy a car be it he wants to have a mobility service etc and this is our approach and therefore we are doing everything in in the case division to cover all these segments Um, this will be the future of mobility and the future of mercedes-benz because we strongly believe that there will be also uh, in the world of self-driving cars you know uh a premium market uh, for Mercedes-Benz cars, and especially if you look the future of self-driving cars, the cars will look different. So we talk about third place. Uh, so really, in the, the car will be become more like a like a living room where you really want to spend time in uh, because it's so comfortable and so convenient. And is that somewhere where you guys think you can really bring the luxury brand? to the future of mobility. The idea that it is a living room, it, it can be very Spartan, it can be bare, or it can be luxury. We, we strongly believe that there will be a market for, for luxury brand for one simple reason, because if you look at the, the, at the household income uh, around the world, it's actually, you know, the, the households with an income above 100 or 200,000 US dollar is rising uh, tremendously. Uh, and therefore there is a market and there's enough money really to, to spend on, on, on luxury experience and luxury experience is uh, can be in in the future in in owning a car and it can also be in in driving a self-driving mercedes uh, benz uh, in the mobility services so you threw a timeline out there before Um, what should people be watching over the next year two years five years to make sure that what they're hearing with autonomous driving and maybe the efforts specifically with your company um, are panning out and that they're kind of on track on track, so regarding the, 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 the autonomous driving, uh, I think it's, it, it, it will come and it will come in, in, you know, in, the, in the major cities and it will be just at the beginning an additional offer uh, for, for mobility. And uh, let's wait and see what's going to happen. If people are going to embrace this new technology, there might be some people who say, okay, that's a great experience, let's test it. Some people might be a little bit afraid, but let's uh, wait and see. And, uh, you know, uh, the only thing what I can say is that we stay flexible at Mercedes-Benz and we strongly believe uh, that the future will be connected, autonomous, shared and, uh, and electrified. And this is what we are going to prepare for. I have one last question for you. What was your first car? My first car was actually a Volkswagen Polo. What does that look like? 
I don't, I've never heard of that. This guy. is actually Volkswagen Polo. Is uh, is it looks like a Golf, but it's a, it's a it's a little bit smaller. Okay, so small kind of coupe car. Yeah, exactly. It's a hatch. Hatch. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you ever dream that this would be what you were working on when you had that as your first car? You might, from my perspective, you know, my my father worked also for for Mercedes, and uh, it was always always a dream for me to to work at Mercedes Benz uh, because the products are absolutely fascinating, and uh, so therefore I now really defining and developing the future of of Mercedes Benz. I think that's really one of the greatest job you can have on on us. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys come out with in the next couple of years. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We've got one more South by Southwest dispatch coming at you tomorrow on the tech show. That does it for this episode, though. As a reminder, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Dan Boyd for all his help editing today's show, and thank you for listening. Fool on. <laughs>